0: On the 1st of June 1987, police in Knoxville, Tennessee responded to a 911 call from a female homeowner who said that a woman was trying to break into her home. By the time the police arrived, the homeowner had fired a shot through her front door, hitting the woman in the head and killing her instantly. Officers questioned the two men at the scene, And although they admitted to being accomplices in the break-in, they said that she was a hitchhiker who they had only met that evening and they did not know her real name. Over 30 years later, neither do we. Let's uncover the case of the Knoxville County Jane Doe. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Uncover True Crime podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we will uncover a new unsolved case ranging from unsolved disappearances, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe cases and suspicious deaths. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uncover underscore pod where you can follow updates on the podcast and also on cases covered within the podcast. I am very new to the podcast game So please bear with me while I try to perfect the format and my technique when it comes to creating this podcast, and I thank you in advance for your patience. Without further ado, let's uncover the case of the Knoxville County Jane Doe. On the 1st of June 1987, two male friends were driving to a party when they picked up a female hitchhiker. Although neither of the men can agree on exactly where they picked her up, it is generally agreed to have been at a rest stop in the Bull Gaps area in Knoxville, Tennessee. The three of them went to a party together, and at some point during the night, the two men claimed that together, the trio conspired to rob a home nearby. The plan was, apparently, to trick the occupants into coming outside by faking a domestic dispute, and then after the resident opened the door to see what was going on they would then enter the home however that is not what ended up happening the homeowner twenty three-year-old woman and her male guest were woken up by the dispute taking place outside jane doe battered on the door pleading for the woman to let her in it is not known what the dispute between the three fake or otherwise was about however the woman thought that jane doe was trying to burgle her home so opted not to open the door. The commotion escalated and the resident called the police. She informed Jane Doe to move away from the door as she had a gun. Jane Doe didn't listen, and in an attempt to protect herself and her home, the resident fired a single bullet through the door, hitting Jane Doe just above her left ear and killing her instantly. The police seemed to believe this version of events, as Jane Doe's entry on VICAP states that she was... Quote, Killed participating in what was believed to be an attempted robbery. Unquote. During my research, I found a Reddit post from somebody who claimed to have spoken to the detective working on this case. The post reads as follows quote, I finally spoke with Detective Moyers from the Knox County Sheriff's Office, very friendly and accommodating fellow. He says the men that Jane was with. One was an older, around 60-year-old man, the vehicle belonged to him, and he'd been driven by a younger man, in his late 20s, back to Tennessee from Kentucky, and the vehicle was not at this home at the time of Jane Doe's shooting. The older man had a business not far from the home where Jane Doe was shot. The building they, Jane and the men, apparently were at, was a place that the men would party at sometimes. The men picked Jane up at a rest area, just off exit 4, about 4 to 5 hours the evening before, to give her a ride. However, she agreed to party with them, so the men took her to this building. At the time they picked her up, the men said that she appeared to be high. The detective will get back to me on the toxicology report. Later, she started acting even more strange and took off. The younger man caught up with her and talked her into coming back into the building. It was late and the younger man tells her that she could get arrested or shot roaming around this particular neighborhood as it was off the beaten path and the folks around there all had guns and were very protective of their property. Jane remained at the building a while and then just went berserk, the younger man says for no reason, and takes off on foot. The younger man goes after her again. Jane ends up at this house. The younger man is arguing with her about coming back to the building. Jane wraps her arms around a post on the porch and tells him she is not leaving the home, so he heads back towards the building. Jane is screaming at him. The homeowner gets awakened and calls 911 and arms himself. At the same time yelling through the door that she is armed and is calling the sheriff. The younger man yells back, Call them. I can't do anything with her and continues to walk away. All this can be heard on the 911 tape. Homeowner then says Jane is trying to come through the door, kicking on the door. Homeowner tells Jane, stop or I'll shoot. Jane doesn't stop and gets shot. Investigators come to the conclusion that Jane was having a, quote, mental episode, unquote, before being picked up and during her time with these men. Jane's clothes were dingy and believed to have been worn for days. The men had given her the dolphin shirt and the pants she was wearing. And she was well worn and thin. This younger man had a lengthy criminal record, but nothing violent. Mostly petty theft and misdemeanours. The younger man was originally charged with attempted burglary to get him to come back in to give an interview with detectives. The charges were dropped when he cooperated with the investigation. So, no trial for either men. The men do not recall if Jane Doe ever told them her name. Now, obviously, this statement was taken from Reddit, so please take it with a huge pinch of salt. Yes, it does seem to confirm the theory that Jane wasn't trying to break into the home and she was looking for help but her autopsy didn't show any presence of drugs. While it is possible her behaviour was caused by alcohol or possibly mental illness, this account contradicts the information police have provided to the media. Police do often keep certain details out of the news to preserve the integrity of their investigation, but I highly doubt that they would outright lie or fabricate details of her death, as this would more than likely hurt the investigation instead of helping it. And as far as I could find, the 911 recording has never been released. Although there is a lot about this account that doesn't quite add up, and we can't verify whether this information did come from law enforcement, I thought it was important to include it as a possible theory as to what might have transpired that night. Now, on to what we know about Jane Doe herself. Jane Doe was a white female aged between 21 and 30 years old. She weighed between 115 to 120 pounds and stood between 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 6 inches tall. Her eyes and hair were both brown and she had what appears to be an amateur tattoo on her left arm with the initials BH. She was wearing a Miami Dolphins jumper that had the number 32 on it, light blue trousers, white socks, tennis shoes and a silver link bracelet. Her ears were not pierced when she died, and there is a composite sketch showing what she looked like when she was alive. There is also an age regression sketch, which shows what she may have looked like when she was around 15 to 16 years old. This second sketch could prove particularly useful if Jane Doe was a runaway, as her family might not recognise her from the first sketch if they hadn't seen her in several years. Perhaps the most telling thing discovered in the autopsy was the array of injuries Jane Doe had suffered during her lifetime. She had previously fractured her clavicle, which is the bone that often stands out located between the ribcage and the shoulder. This fracture had since healed, although she also had a crushed vertebrae, which likely would have caused her to suffer from back pain. She had healed fractures on her left and right tibia, which is a large bone on the front of the lower leg. She also had a fracture to her left tibia, which was secured by a metal pin. Her fibula, the bone next to the tibia, was also secured with a metal plate. When I first read about these injuries, the first thing that came to my mind was that she was possibly in a car accident. I have got absolutely no medical training, and we don't even know if all of these injuries were sustained at the same time, The car crash idea is just a theory. Furthermore, Jane Doe had a scar on her abdomen and one of her two front teeth was missing and possibly never there to begin with, although it may have been extracted at some point during her life. Dr. Emily Craig from the Kentucky State Medical Examiner's Office stated, Those injuries, that medical information, will be far more important in identifying her than the recreated image of her face, Forensic isotope testing was performed by using the tissues in her bones and her tooth enamel to see if they could pinpoint where she might have been from or at least lived during her life. This testing is extremely experimental and it cannot rule out anywhere that she might have been from, it's just a guide. The test results indicated that she was from one of the southeastern states, including Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, North and South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. She may also have been from Canada. Unbelievably, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System otherwise known as NamUs, have ruled out 244 missing women as being the Knoxville County Jane Doe. I have chosen not to list all of them on this podcast, but if you would like to see all the rule-outs for the Knoxville County Jane Doe, please go over to the Uncovered True Crime website at com, where you will find the full list plus all the sources used for this episode. Sergeant Perry Moyers from KCSO's Cold Case Squad said the following about the Knoxville County Jane Doe case. There wasn't any ID on her of any kind. Not even a wallet. No clues. There was just nothing. She's someone's daughter, and she may be somebody's sister, or even maybe somebody's mother. We would like to get her identified and maybe give closure to our family. Unquote. I feel very passionately about Jane and John Doe cases, which is why I picked this case as the first ever case to uncover on this podcast. Everyone deserves a name. And every family that is without their loved one deserves closure. Jane Doe's family might not consider her missing, Maybe she was a runaway. Maybe they think that she went off to live a better life. It's a possibility that Jane Doe's family are now deceased and that there is no living relatives actively searching for her. But all it takes is for one person to see her composite photo. For one person to hear her description. For one person to hear about the injuries she's suffered in her life and submit a tip to the authorities and Jane Doe could have her name back. A family could receive closure. If you have any information that may relate to this case, I ask you to contact the KCSO Cold Case Squad by either emailing coldcase at or contacting Detective Moyers on 865... 215 You can also contact Jim Ballach by f- calling 865 All photos relating to this case and all sources can be found at the Uncovered True Crime podcast website at www.truecrime.blogspot. That is all I have for you this week. Please join us next week when we will uncover another unsolved case. Thank you and good night.